great truth. I was thinking she was saying that there's not just room for the lost, and there certainly is. Well, there's room at the cross for you and I when we need help from the Lord. And uplifting and help, there's still room at the cross. Have your Bibles tonight. Open with me, if you will, to 1 Chronicles chapter 27, verse number 32. When you find that, if you're physically able to do so, I invite you to stand to your feet with me, please, out of respect of God's Word. We're going to read uh, through the end of that chapter three verses, and I'm going to have you read one of those verses with me. 1 Chronicles chapter 27, verses 32 through 34. And it'll take me just a minute to lay the foundation for this message. But then I'm going to give you something that I think will challenge our hearts and actually be a help to us in a lot of things in life. And so 1 Chronicles chapter 27, begin reading in verse 32. Also, Jonathan, David's uncle, was a counselor, a wise man, and a scribe. And Jehiel, the son of Hakamoni, was with the king's sons. And Ahithophel was the king's counselor, and Hushai, the archite, was the king's companion. And after Ahithophel was Jehodia, the son of Benai, and Abiathar, and the general of the king's army was Joab. Let's go back to verse number 33. It is the text verse for tonight, and I want us to read that verse together. You ready? And Ahithophel was the king's counselor, and Hushai, the archite, was the king's companion. I want you to notice this man's name, Ahithophel. And Ahithophel was the king's counselor. I'm going to take this man, Ahithophel, tonight, and I'm going to ask this question and try to give you something and challenge your heart. What happened to Ahithophel? What happened to Ithophil. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight for allowing us to be able to come out and have this time we can be together in thy house. And Father, we've enjoyed the moving of God through our services today, this morning, and then tonight, Lord. We've enjoyed our children singing and uplifting the Lord in praise and song and in our choir and in our congregation and special singing. And now, Father, we've come to this portion of the service where the bread of life has been broken and now, Lord, I have a great responsibility, a great privilege to stand before thy people in thy house. And, Lord, preach a message that, once again, you have laid upon my heart. And, Father, as I stand here again, again, I am very well aware of my inability and my unworthiness to be here. So, once again, I would ask you to forgive me of my sin. Please cleanse me with the blood of Calvary. And, Holy Ghost, I pray you'd fill me with thy power to be able to preach in such a manner Every person that's here tonight, under the sound of my voice, and listening by other means, would feel this message is for them and them alone. And Lord, may we leave here tonight saying it was good to be in the house of the Lord. And Lord, I pray that uh, uh, each one of us will just listen to the Word of God. May the lost be saved. May the saved be challenged. May the backslidden be reclaimed, the discouraged encouraged. And Lord, most importantly, and above all, may Jesus Christ be glorified and lifted up. For it's in His name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to give you a little bit of a background here and just set the stage for this message. In the 27th chapter of 1 Chronicles, you have a list, not of David's mighty men, but you have several lists of the people that are helping David. 
As a matter of fact, you, you have each one that every month, he has someone over 24,000 people that would make sure the kingdom ran right each month. And, and he had all of these different folks that were with David and helping David in every aspect of the kingdom. It's a phenomenal list. Now in this list, it it's, it's gives these people and it ends. We just read the end of it. At the end of it, you read about this man, Ahithophel. Now there's a lot of people mentioned in this list. And a lot of names mentioned in this list. But it mentions this man, Ahithophel. Now Ahithophel was one of, uh, he was David's counselor. And uh, we're going to see something about for him, uh, Ahithophel. I just want to give you several things in the Bible about him. I want you to get a picture of, of how wise this man was in David's day. day. So uh, go with me, if you will, to 2 Samuel chapter 16. Now in 2 Samuel chapter 16, we, we're in the same time frame uh, as 1 Chronicles chapter 27. And, and we're going to see something about Ahithophel. I'm going to look at the last verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse number 23. I want you to see the wisdom of Ahithophel and what everybody thought about him uh, as he was alive. It's great wisdom here. And so you find in verse number 23 of 2 Samuel chapter 16, it says this, And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was if a man had inquired at the oracle of God, so was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Now I want you to notice something here. I want you to notice that this man Ahithophel, had such wisdom that when someone spoke to Ahithophel, did you notice that little phrase, as if it was the oracle of God? That, that oracle of God makes reference to the Word of God. And so whenever Ahithophel spoke, and whenever he gave counsel to people, they, in their minds and their hearts, they were thinking, this is just like reading the Word of God. This man has great wisdom. It's given to him by God. He has great counsel. And, and we, we've done seen in our text that he was David's counselor. And in David's life, and David's reign as king, Ahithophel uh, was by his side. He was one of the men, but uh, he was his counselor. And when David was uh, seeking some hard thing to do and making some decisions, and by the way, I guarantee you that being a king, you had some pretty tough decisions to make on a daily basis and he's looking to try to find out what to do. This man, Ahithophel, was one of the ones that gave him wise counsel and good counsel. And so we find this man, Ahithophel, he was a wise man. A wise man, very wise. And so he was known for his wisdom. Not only was he known for his wisdom, you're, you're, you're in 2 Samuel 16. Go to, to the 23rd chapter of 2 Samuel. I want you to notice something else about this man. I want you to know something else I thought was interesting. Not only is wisdom, but if you will look down, if you will, in verse number 34. Now, if you're familiar with 2 Samuel 23, you know it is a list of David's mighty men. Uh, we've seen the list in, in 1 Chronicles 27 of all of his, his helpers and his counselors. And in, in 2 Samuel 23, it's his mighty men, those 37 mighty men that were warriors and used of God to help David subdue the kingdoms and, and, and be able to put Israel at peace. If you look all the way down in verse number 34, it says this, And Eliphat, 
the son of Ahasabai, the son of Machthonite, and it gives a man's name. Now watch this. Elam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilonite. Not only was Ahithophel a wise man, Ahithophel raises a son named Eliam. And Eliam not only is a man that has wisdom, but he's a brave man. He's a mighty man. He's listed in one of David's mighty men. So, so now think about Ahithophel just a minute. Sometimes you think about these counselors as being sort of like, sort of bookwormish type things. You understand what I'm saying? But apparently Ahithophel was able to raise a son that was a mighty man of battle. Courage. And able to go forward and be able to stand and be amongst David's mighty men. So when I look at Ahithophel, I like this man. I like this man, Ahithophel. He's, he's a, a man of God. He has wisdom that only can come from God. He's able to raise a son that has great bravery and great character. And he raises this man up, this son. So if I look at Ahithophel and I see, I see a man here that, that he's a wise man. He's able to raise his son to where his son has courage and strength. And by the way, he's one of David's close friends and allies and he loves David. I see this man Ahithophel and I, I see a little bit in the Bible about him. By the way, every once in a while I do you good just to do word studies like that, name studies and run these guys down. We've, we're not done with that name Ahithophel yet. But we've already seen quite a few things about him. And a great truth about him. But something happened to Ahithophel. Ahithophel became David's enemy. Became his enemy. Now you're in 2 Samuel 16. I want you to look back, if you will, in, in to the, or you're in 23. Look back to the, the 15th chapter. Now if you're familiar with your Bible, you, you know that by the time we're at that 23rd chapter, that David's reign is over and just listening to his mighty men. But he's already went through some mighty battles and some different things. And in chapter 15 of 2 Samuel, you know that that was the time that Absalom rose up against him. And so we're going to pick up in verse number 7, and we're going to read something, and I want you to see something that becomes a very sad truth. And so you're in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 7, And it came to pass after forty years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. For thy servant vowed a vow, while I abode at Geshur in Syria, saying, if the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said unto him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom rangeth in Hebron. And with Absalom went two hundred men out of Jerusalem, that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, thy Gilonite, David's counselor, from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices, and the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. Now I want you to notice this interesting fact, Absalom now is rebelling against David, that 40 years is toward the end of David's reign. And you find here that he's here and he's gathered these people together and he's against David, but he sends for Ahithophel, but he's not at Jerusalem. 
He's at Gilo. He, he's, he's against David already. I mean, he's been, he's been against David, and he's, he's no longer next to David, and he is now Absalom has sent for him. By the way, we'd read a verse a minute ago that said that his wisdom was with David and with Absalom. He's still a great wisdom. Have you often wondered how that little brat, snotty-nosed kid, Absalom, had the wisdom to do what he did? It's because Ahithophel was telling him what to do. There's a great truth in that. And so he becomes David's enemy. Ahithophel, who is right there with David, and with him, and all that God was doing with David, and seeing the uplifting, the way God uplifted David, and he's seeing David now, he has become David's enemy. Why has he done that? What in the world has possessed this man that has great wisdom to go against the man of God, to go against the will of God? And what is it that has happened to him that changed his heart and his mind to become David's enemy? It's an interesting question. One world happened to him. Now I want to show you that it was David's enemy, and I'm going to show you how it affected David. Two of the Psalms David wrote were written about Ahithophel. And during this time period that Absalom rebelled. And so I want you to turn with him. I want you to see how David's heart was about Ahithophel. So go to Psalm 41 to start with. Psalm 41. Now in Psalm 41, we're going to read the entirety of it. It won't take us long. And, and I want you to see David's heart and see Ahithophel's anger toward and hatred toward David. You see it in Psalm 41. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Blessed is he that considereth the poor... The Lord will deliver him in a time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou will not deliver him under the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing, thou will make all his bed in his sickness. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me, heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Now in the first four verses we find David very humble and praying to God about his enemies and praying to God about his own sin. But now pay close attention in verse 5. Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? And if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity. His heart gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goeth abroad, he telleth it. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease, say they, cleaveth fast unto him. And now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Verse number 9 is making reference to Ahithophel. We've already seen in 1 Samuel 15 that he is gathered with Absalom. And now you see this cry of David's heart, Mine own familiar friend, he's now against me. Verse 10, But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and raise me up, that I may requite them. By this I know that thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. And as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity, 
and settest me before thy face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. Amen and amen. You see, this, this psalm is written about Ahithophel. David's got a broken heart because Ahithophel has raised up against him his own familiar friend. Now go to the 55th psalm. And in Psalm 55, we're going to see something else where that once again, uh, David is talking about Ahithophel. Now, we're not going to read all this psalm. I'm actually just uh, going to start in verse number 12. And now he's, he's saying something about all this distress he's in. But in verse number 12, he says this, For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. Verse 12, he says, it's not somebody that hates me or an enemy. I could have handled that. Who was it? Verse 13, watch this. But it was thou, a man, mine equal, my guide, and my acquaintance. And he's talking about Ahithophel and his counsel and his equal. And they, they were together in a lot of things. And he's against him. Now watch the next verse. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of the Lord. And walked into the house of the Lord of God in company. I want you to notice something. David's heart is broken because Ahithophel is against him. What's happened to Ahithophel? What made him be this man that at one point was David's friend? David's counselor. This verse, this psalm here, he talked about going to the house of God together and worshiping together and serving God together. But now, look how far away is what in the world has happened to this man, Ahithophel. We're about to see it now. You're in 2 Samuel, you're in Psalms. Let's go back to 2 Samuel chapter 11. You say, man, preacher, you're taking us all over the place. I know, we're about to get there. We've seen a lot about Ahithophel. We've seen his wisdom. We've seen his position. And now we've seen him turn against David and become David's enemy instead of his counselor. Why, why, why did Ahithophel become David's enemy? 2 Samuel chapter 11 has the answer. If you're familiar with your Bible... You know that 2 Samuel chapter 11 is David's great sin. It is his great sin where he got away out of God's will and he committed adultery and he killed, had a man murdered. Verse number 3 is the answer. And I want you to look at it. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Did you catch that? Remember who Eliam was? He is Ahithophel's son. You know who Bathsheba is? Ahithophel's granddaughter. And so when David committed this great sin with Bathsheba, it rubbed Ahithophel in a very bad way. He has not only has he committed adultery, not only has he killed Uriah, he has defiled his granddaughter and ruined her marriage and killed her husband, 
David's, and if you went back to 2 Samuel 23, the last man it mentions is Uriah the Hittite, and he has now murdered him, and Ahithophel is angry. By the way, he has a right to be angry. He has a right to be angry. You see, the truth of the matter is, there's things that happens to all of us in life, and, and, and sometimes you're, you're, you're angry, and it's not that you're just being pettish, uh, it, it's, there's a, David has done something very, very wicked here. Do you understand that? He's done something very wrong. He is, this is his friend. And look what he's done to his granddaughter. Man, any of y'all old enough to have a granddaughter, you can think of what I'm trying to say. You'd tick you off in more ways than one. You understand that? Look what he's done. But something Ahithophel does not have the right to do that none of us do is to stay angry. He didn't have that right. But he stays angry. And he will not forgive it. And he will not let it go. And he will not let it be in the past. And, he, and he's angry at David. And he leaves David and goes back to Gilo. And he makes it very well known that he's angry at David. And he gets bitter. Now I want to show you something. Now we've set the stage and we know who it is. But Ahithophel became bitter. One of the things that I think hurts us in our Christian walk, in our churches, and all over the world is we get bitter and angry at people for things they have done. Now by the way, sometimes they're justified, our anger is, and sometimes it's not. The Bible still says that not the sun go down upon your wrath. That's a great truth. God says you may have a right to be angry, you may have a right to be mad, but your anger is something that's wicked and something that's wrong and you need to get rid of it before the sun goes down. You need to let God handle it and you need to forgive and let God deal with them. If you do not do that, you become bitter. So I want you to open your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, really that's the text... Everything that I need tonight is coming out of Hebrews chapter 12, and I want you to go there. Hebrews chapter 12, and if we read this whole chapter, we'd find this. The first four verses of Hebrews chapter 12 tells us how to lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us and run with patience the races set before us. By the way, all of us have these sins and weights we need to lay aside. And then verses 5 through 12 of this, uh, of this great chapter deal with chastisement from God and that God will deal with every one of us as He deals with children. And if I don't lay aside the weights and if I don't lay aside the sin, then God will chasten me. And by the way, God chastens everyone whom He receives. And it's a great text on chastisement. And then starting in verse 13 through verse 15, we find that he is telling us some things about what to do after we've been chastised, and so we want to pick up in verse 13. And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. He says, now listen, I have chastened you and I will chasten you. And when I chasten you and I scourge you and I deal with your sin then don't you get mad and quit. You, you make straight paths for your feet. You follow God. You follow the Word of God. And don't be turned out of the way. Now watch the next verse. Verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, 
without which no man shall see the Lord. He says, now listen, I, 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 I want you to follow peace with all men. By the way, that's easier done with some people than it is others. It's not just easy to be at peace with some people and hard with others. And he says, all men. He doesn't give an exception here. And, and he says, in holiness. And he says, without which no man can see the Lord. Listen, if you and I want to be God's children and walk in the presence of an almighty God, and if we're wanting God to work in our midst, then we have to follow peace with all men in holiness. But here's what happens if we don't. Verse 15, and here's what happened to Ahithophel. Looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. He says, now listen, you can get yourself in such a shape that there is a root of bitterness. Now, notice it says a root of bitterness. It's something that's deep inside. And then it springs up. It, it comes back to life. And, and not only is it a root, but it's going to produce foliage and branches and leaves. And it's going to defile many. And by the way, you know the only reason that bitterness could take over my life and how it took over Hitherville's life or how it can take over your life? If we fail the grace of God. Now by the way, you say, what do you mean fail the grace of God? You just refuse to let God's grace handle the problem. Great truth. If I refuse to let the grace of God give me peace when I've been wronged, when I've been hurt, if I refuse to let the grace of God give me the peace that I can live peaceably with all men, then I have failed the grace of God. And I can have a righteous indignation like Ahithophel can. I can, did. I can say I have a right to be angry. Look what he did to my family. Look how he destroyed this. He is a wicked man. I can say all of that, but I fail the grace of God if I hold on to that. Great truth in that. I deal with people all the time. Families having problems, husbands and wives and parents and children and siblings. And I deal with friends and neighbors and, and church members and pastors and, and people having problems and they're angry and bitter. And, and you know what the problem is? They fail the grace of God. You call it whatever else you want to call it. It hit the field as a man that was a great man that God greatly lifted up. He had great character. He had great wisdom. He had a great wrong done to him. And he failed the grace of God and became bitter. And that root sprung up and it, it defiled not just a Hithophel, but many around about him. Destroyed them. By the way, that's what it'll do to you and I. And tonight this Ahithophel became bitter, became angry. And it always destroys those round about us. Now I want to give you something. Bitterness comes on the heels of two or three things. We've already seen bitterness comes on the heels of being hurt. Being angry. Sometimes bitterness comes on the heels of being jealous. By the way, jealousy will create a bitterness that's unbelievable. The Bible says jealousy is as cruel as death. Every once in a while I hear some unlearned individuals say, well, a little jealousy is good. You're a nut. 
Jealousy is as cruel as death. A little jealousy is death. It's not good. It always creates bitterness. And it's horrible. If it's between husbands and wives, or between siblings, or between some your neighbor, or between... I don't care where the jealousy's at. It's a wicked thing, and it creates bitterness. It always creates it. And, and, and just like anger creates it, and just like uh, being discouraged that somebody else didn't do what you wanted them to, it creates it. And bitterness is one of those things that every one of us has the potential to fall into. And Ahithophel justified his bitterness. And we justify ours sometimes. We justify our anger. We justify our bitterness. And we'll use cute little sayings like, well, I forgive him, but I ain't forgot it. You, and you say it as you're green and mad and you like to do something like Ahithophel and you want to kill him. You haven't forgiven him and you haven't forgotten that. You may not be able to forgive it, but I tell you, I forget it. But what you ought to be able to do is let God handle it and the grace of God give you an ability to live peaceably with them even though they haven't asked for forgiveness. And the truth of the matter is, he got bitter. Now, let me follow one other thing and I want to deal with this bitterness a little bit. It is an impossibility for me to get bitter at an individual without also at the same time not getting bitter at God. Now, I want you to listen to me carefully. That bitterness that Ahithophel had, he had took sweet counsel together in the house of God with David. He is also angry at God. You know why? God didn't kill David. David in Psalm 51 is David's prayer of forgiveness of what he did with Uriah and Bathsheba and God forgave him and, and God did not kill David. By the law, David should have been killed. And God did not kill David. So now he's angry because justice has not been done. I deal with people all the time. They wouldn't tell you they're bitter at God. Ahithophel wouldn't have told you he's bitter at God. He would have told you he's bitter at David, but he wouldn't have told you he's bitter at God. But he was bitter at God. You know why? Because God let it happen. Not only did God not kill David, God continued to let David be king. How deplorable was that in the eyes of Ahithophel? At the very least, God should have exiled him to the land of the Philistines or something. Y'all with me? Y'all act like y'all never had this kind of thought before anybody before. Y'all need to come see me after service. You can help me. I mean, he's bitter and he's angry. And he's bitter at God. If you hold on to your bitterness and anger, it's going to cause you to get bitter at God. You're going to say, God could fix this, and God could change this, and God could... And that's what Ahithophel did. So Ahithophel became God in his own eyes. Ahithophel had one goal and one goal only when he was helping Absalom. He couldn't have cared less what happened to Absalom. His one goal was to kill David. And when he was refused by Absalom to do that, he went to his house and hung himself. He had one goal and one goal only. And that's to get even with David. Because he was bitter at David. He was bitter at God. He was bitter at the world. And bitterness will destroy you. And it will destroy those round about you. Now I want you to notice some things about Ahithophel. I want you to notice some things that happens to all of us when we get bitter. Number one, the bitterness starts when there's no forgiveness in my heart. 
The very first thing that happens when you and I get bitter at somebody is there's no forgiveness. We're not going to forgive them. We're not going to let it go. And we're going to tell everybody else what they did. And we're going to let everybody know it. And we're going to talk about it. And we're going to remind people. And, and we're going to do it in some spiritual manner. But we're not going to forgive them. We have decided that they do not need forgiveness. And like a hit the field, bitterness starts in my heart and your heart when there's no forgiveness of what folks have done to you. And by the way, you live long enough and you're going to have somebody do you wrong. You're going to have somebody you love like a Hithophile did. David loved a Hithophile. You're going to have somebody, your own familiar friend, is going to do you wrong. You may have some family member do you wrong. You may have some people do you wrong. And I'm going to tell you, the worst thing you can do is hold hatred and anger and malice in your heart and have an unforgiving spirit where you do not forgive them. You see, the Bible teaches me that I am to forgive them. The Bible teaches me that. The Bible, Bible gives me a great truth. Go to Ephesians with me, Ephesians chapter 4, once you see something. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're, we're going to... I always thought this was an interesting passage of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 26. Now I want you to notice all of us at time to time are going to have some problems and have some people do some things. And this forgiveness is something that we must do. Now watch this. Ephesians 4.26 Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now that's a great verse. Neither give place to the devil. When I hold my anger, I'm giving the devil a place in my life. When you hold the anger, you're giving the devil a place in your life. You might justify it, you might say all kinds of things, but that's what you're doing. Next verse. Let him that stole steal no more, but let him labor, working with his hands, that thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. You say, we've got off of that thing. Well... Uh, sometimes we steal more than just possessions. Sometimes we steal character. Sometimes we steal other things. and We ought to be laboring not to do that. The next verse, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Verse 29 says, now listen. You need to learn that you don't open your mouth and talk about other people. If it's not good, be quiet. If it doesn't minister grace, if it doesn't help, it's not good. You say, well, preacher, it just need, everybody needs to know. I've had people say that to me. Well, everybody needs to know what they've done. Now, hold on a minute. Look at the next verse. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed in the day of redemption. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? I've, had, I've seen people take that verse out of context and talk about all kinds of things and say, well, you know, uh, they should have stood up and said something in the service and they grieved the Spirit. That's not what that's talking about. That's talking about running your mouth about somebody else when you ought to have kept it shut. That's what that's talking about. The grieving the Holy Spirit is when we don't have the forgiveness that we ought to have and we don't let God give us the grace to forgive Him. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. 
and having corrupt communication out of our mouth. You say, I don't cuss. That's not talking about cussing, although it is corrupt communication. It's talking about using something that doesn't edify and lift up and encourage. It's talking about communication that runs someone down. That grieves the Holy Spirit of God, and that's what Ahithophel was doing. He failed the grace of God. He failed the Holy Spirit trying to deal with him. Notice the next verse, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. By the way, anytime I have any of that, I have no justification for it except for my flesh. Anytime you have any of that, you have no justification for it except for your flesh. Your pride and nothing else. Amen or oh me. And that's exactly where Ahithophel was at. He said, well, how does God expect me to live? And what does the Holy Spirit want to do that's not grieved? I'm glad you asked, because look in verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Well, I'm glad God forgives me daily, aren't you? I'm glad God's tenderhearted toward me, aren't you? I'm, I'm glad that when I commit the same sin today that I committed yesterday, that God still forgives me. I am glad that God forgives me on a daily basis. By the way, I've lived long enough I've been hurt quite a bit. You, 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 and I don't mean this in a bad way, I want you to take it that way. You can't be up in front of people and pastor and lead people without getting hurt sometimes. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. You have two choices of that. You can either let it make you bitter, or you can learn to forgive and let it go. Let the grace of God help you with it. I know what I'm talking about here. Number one, I find that Hithophel was unforgiving. Number one, Hithophel had no mercy. You see, mercy is where that God gives you and I mercy. It's where He withholds punishment that we should have had. And Hithophel didn't, he wanted punishment there. I'll teach him. I'll see that he gets what he... By the way, when you and I get that, and we think it's our God-given duty that we're going to make sure somebody gets their just rewards. And we're not talking about helping them. We're talking about hurting them. We have no mercy. If Ahithophel had no forgiveness, no mercy, by the way, he had no compassion. He didn't care what happened to David. And he didn't care what happened to David's family. And it caused Ahithophel to be worse than David ever thought about. Whenever Absalom finally took Jerusalem, Ahithophel encouraged him to do something to ten women that was far worse than what David did with Bathsheba. No compassion. You see, I tell you what bitterness will do to you. It'll destroy you and take you into a place far worse than you ever thought it would. And it'll destroy those round about you, your, your children and your family and your friends. And that's what Ahithophel's doing. So we find he had no forgiveness, no mercy, no compassion. By the way, there's no room for repentance. There was no room for David to get right with God. There was no room for David to repent. There was no room for that. And bitterness will do that in my heart and your heart. And it'll destroy us. I've lived long enough now and I've seen a lot of people destroyed. They have no peace, no joy, no comfort of God. And Hithphil had none of that. 
I'm going to close with something. You know what Ahithophel missed? I want to help you with something. I know that David wronged Ahithophel and his family and shamed him greatly. I know that. I also know that he failed the grace of God and he should have forgiven David. You say, that had been a hard thing to do. I know it would have been, but the grace of God would have allowed it to happen. And he could have still been David's counselor. And he still could have been David's friend. He could have. If I understand this right, David and Ahithophel are probably close to the same age. If I understand it right. Had Ahithophel forgiven David and Bathsheba, his granddaughter. By the way, if, if, David, if Ahithophel's plans for David had to come to fruition, and David would have been killed for his sins, so would his granddaughter. I'm not so sure that's what he really wanted. Bitterness causes you not to think things through and, and to see what would have happened. But had Ahithophel forgiven David and let the grace of God in his heart to handle that situation and just let God deal with David. And by the way, God deal with, did deal with David. And David did pay an enormous price in the sight of God. Had Ahithophel let God be the judge and forgive him, do you know what Ahithophel would have had the chance to do? Brother Ted was bragging about something a few minutes ago with his grandchild on the way. Ahithophel could have bounced a great-grandchild on his knee by the name of Solomon. He threw all that away for bitterness. I want you to think about that. I mean, Bathsheba had a son named Solomon, became one of the greatest, wisest men that ever lived, and had Ahithophel just done what God wanted him to do, he could have had a little great-grandson that he could have held in his hands. He might have lived long enough to see him be king and see him make some great decisions. But he let bitterness rob him of that. David and Bathsheba had more than Solomon. They had another boy named Nathan. Nathan's not as well known as Solomon, but by the way, I'll give you a little insight here. Nathan was the prophet that stuck his finger in David's nose and said, Thou art the man. And whenever him and Bathsheba had a second son, they named him Nathan. You think David and Bathsheba was angry at Nathan for pointing out their sin? No, they loved him. And they named his son Nathan. Let me help you with Nathan. Luke chapter 3. Mary's lineage goes through Nathan. Not only could Ahithophel bounce the great-grandson of Solomon on his knee... That would be the wisest man that ever lived. He could have bounced Nathan, who through Nathan came the Messiah. And you know what Ahithophel did? Threw it all away. Because he was bitter and angry. And I want to help you tonight. I know that every one of us has the potential to get angry and bitter. And the older we get, the more potential we have of that. I'm older now. I know what I'm speaking about. 
Have you ever wondered why a lot of people when they get older are angry and just grumpy and grouchy? It's because they're bitter about things that's happened in their life. Bitter about things they can't control. They've not let it go. They've not had forgiveness. Hey, they might be missing Solomon. They might be missing Nathan. They might be throwing some things away. And God wants to give them. And tonight, what happened to Ahithophel was awful. He got bitter. And he kept it. God showed me this about ten years ago. You may or may not remember this. I preached this message about nine and a half years ago here on a Sunday morning. I've added to it and straightened it up and fixed it. It was all wrong then, but I've got it right tonight. There's great truth in that. There's great truth here. Bitterness will destroy you. You can justify it. You can ignore it. You can fail the grace of God. And that root will spring up and defile many. Let me encourage you tonight. Whatever it is that Satan has caused you to be bitter over, it's not worth it. I don't care what it is. Ahithophel thought he had a great reason. Look what David did to my granddaughter and look what he did to Uriah. He had no right to be bitter. It destroyed him. The truth of the matter is tonight, being honest with my own self, I can look back and I can get bitter if I let it. But I sure didn't like what happened to Ahithophel. And I don't want it to happen to me. And I've learned just to come and say, okay, God, I'm going to let that go. And I'm just going to let you handle that. You can probably deal with it better than I can anyhow. There's great truth in that. And tonight, this message, God burned this in my heart this week. For some reason, I really don't know why. Sometimes I argue with the Lord a little bit. I probably shouldn't even tell you all that. Lord, I preached that ten years ago. They don't need that again. You wouldn't say something like that. You're more spiritual than I am. But the truth of the matter is, Lord wouldn't let me go with this tonight. Bitterness will destroy you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I appreciate you being here tonight.